You are listening to a sermon podcast from Kingdom City. We pray that over the next few moments, you will be blessed, equipped, and empowered to bring the reality of God to your world. Hey, what's going on, family? It is so good to be with you right now. My name is Blake, and I'm part of the amazing team at Kingdom City. Shout out to everyone in our online campus. Shout out to Africa, Botswana, Zambia, Asia, Europe, the Middle East, wherever you're watching from. Shout out to your living room. Shout out to your device, wherever you are right now. It is good to be with you, and I have got a word today. In our connect groups, we've been talking about bringing the reality. And that phrase comes from our mission statement as a church, which is connecting, equipping, and empowering you to bring the reality of God to your world, to bring the reality of God to your world. But here's a challenge or a question maybe. Can you bring the reality of God to your world if you're afraid to show your world the reality of what God has done in your life. Let that sink in. And really, that's what I want to deal with today. I feel like fear is making some believers in the body of Christ afraid of showing their world the reality of what God has done. Let's pray right now. Holy Spirit, I ask you that you move today, that you speak to every heart and mind listening that you break fear off of our lives and get us ready for what you have for us. Show us, God, what you want to do in us right now, God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 17, and we're going to look at verse 11 right here. And look at what this little story shares with us. It says this, On his way to Jerusalem, Jesus passed through the border region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered one village, 10 men approached him, but they kept their distance for they were lepers. They shouted to him, mighty Lord, our wonderful master, won't you have mercy on us and heal us? When Jesus stopped to look at them, he spoke these words, go to be examined by the Jewish priests. They set off and they were healed while they were walking along the way. One of them, a Samaritan, when he discovered that he was completely healed, turned back to find Jesus. He shouted out joyous praises and was glorifying God. See, when he found Jesus, he fell down at his feet and thanked him over and over, saying to him, you are the Messiah. So where are the other nine, Jesus asked. Weren't there 10 who were healed? They all refused to return and give thanks and give glory to God, except you, a foreigner from Samaria? Then Jesus said to the healed man lying at his feet, arise and go. It was your faith that brought you salvation and made you whole. Think about that. 10 got healed, but only one returned to say thank you. And through this story, we know that this person was a Samaritan which actually gives us the answer to why he came back. See, the other nine were most likely Israelites. They were proud in their culture of their heritage. Samaritans were despised, shamed, and embarrassed. The only thing in Hebrew culture as bad as being a Samaritan was having leprosy. So the moment those other nine got healed, 
They were so excited to get back to their status, to get back to their life, to get back to their acceptance and their circles. They didn't even want to admit what they had been through or what they had been healed from because they wanted to get back to life and back to perception. But the Samaritan, even a healed Samaritan was still despised, was still embarrassed, was still shamed. And so because he had no fear of losing social standing, because he had no fear of rejection, because the Samaritan had nothing to lose already, he was the only one brave enough as he was healed to come back and say thank you. Which got me thinking, how many Christians are there walking around today that God has healed miraculously, that he's done amazing things for? How many Christians has God brought us out of the depths of darkness and we'll never talk about it because we're too embarrassed to admit what we once were before Jesus? See, I started to think about my own life and the title of this message today is Perfectly Scarred because that's the word God spoke over my life. Some of you heard my story before, but prior to Kingdom City, I was in a drug rehab for 13 months. I was molested by family members, born in a divorced home, saw abuse and things at a young age. And so in my university years, I took out all my pain and I just decided to experience anything and everything because I wanted to feel accepted. I wanted to belong and that led me down a dark path. I ended up getting kicked out of two Christian institutions before finally third times the charm graduating from Bible college. And so interesting that even once I got saved, and started getting into ministry, I would edit out parts of my story because I felt like they discredited my authority or that people wouldn't want to listen to me if they knew the full extent of what I was. I mean, who wants to listen to a guy that was in a drug rehab? Who wants to listen to a Christian that backslid four or five times before finally getting it right? Who wants to listen to the guy that literally was rejected and made so many mistakes to the point where my own family couldn't even trust me with money or finances or their personal belongings? Who wants to listen to that guy talk about God? And so out of fear, I hid my story. I hid my testimony. I hid my scars. See, what do I mean by scars? Why am I saying this message is perfectly scarred? Why did God call me perfectly scarred? Well, let's talk about scars for a moment. Scars in our world are the aftermath of damage. Scars are ugly reminders of failures, of mistakes, of, of, of things we've done. Matter of fact, the moment something is scarred, it's the opposite of perfect. If you have something that's brand new, the second it gets damaged, the value drops significantly. So there's nothing perfect about a scar. But then God's kept saying, Blake, you're perfectly scarred. You are perfectly scarred. And this is the new definition the Holy Spirit shared with me. He said, Blake, a scar is healing that has left a mark. 
resulting in the damaged area being even stronger than it was before. See, I love scars because the scar tissue is actually stronger and tougher than the skin it replaced. Isn't it just like my God that I could break a bone and the calcium deposits form around that break and now that bone is thicker in the area where it was damaged than it even was before and God started to drill into my mind. You have nothing to be ashamed of. You are perfectly scarred and fear started to break off of my life. Shame started to break off of my life and God started to reveal certain things that he had brought me through that I'd been hiding this whole time. So whoever you are out there, I want you to know you're perfectly scarred. The other side of this equation are some people where you feel like you haven't really lived. You haven't done some crazy thing. It's so interesting that before I made so many mistakes in my life, I was a kid who basically had grown up in a church home. And I can remember thinking that my story or my life wasn't as cool as other people's story because I hadn't made as many mistakes as they had. Oh, wow, you were, you, you, you were in rehab for two years. Wow, your story's better than mine. Oh, you did this drug. Oh, you did that. And I've literally seen Christians think that they have nothing to offer to their world because they don't have some amazing testimony about how God brought them out of prison or all of these injuries or saved their life from a cliff and they were hanging by one blade of grass and then the Lord came and saved them. Like, but guys, I need you to understand, no matter what part of the spectrum you are on, whether you feel like I'm, I've been through so much, I don't even like to talk about what God brought me out of, or whether you had the privilege to grow up in a Christian home and have a blessed family and have people that loved you, and maybe you have followed God since from a young age, no matter what side of this equation you're on, you are perfectly scarred. Everything you have been through is exactly what God needed you to go through, and you are here with a story to tell that is enough for you to bring the reality of God to your world. See, I love Revelations chapter 12, verses 11, because it says, and they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. See, I, when I look at this picture, I visualize a courtroom and Jesus is there. The enemy is on the stand. He is ready to be convicted. And Jesus is like, look, I got the blood. I died on the cross. The price has been paid. Everything has been covered. We can literally put the devil away for good, but I need somebody with a testimony who is willing to testify because that testimony mixed with the blood of Jesus is all we need to defeat the devil. And I see Jesus there saying, will somebody be brave enough to share their testimony? Because the verse says, and they defeated him by the blood of the lamb, first ingredient, and by their testimony. It's a two-part combination. And the thing that keeps people from sharing their testimony is the second part of this verse. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Some of us, we love our lives too much that we're afraid to die 
to approval. We're afraid to die to acceptance. We're afraid to die to our flesh. We're afraid to die to our comfort zone. People in our workplace, you know you feel that little nudge that God is asking you, will you share the Word of God with that coworker? Will you just go say hi to that person? And some of us are afraid to die to simply the comfort to go out to someone and give them a card and invite them to church. See, we can't love our lives so much, family that we're afraid to die because there is a world that needs Jesus. God is there. Jesus has the blood. The devil is ready to be defeated, but God wants to partner with our story, with our scars, and you are perfectly scarred. See, in our world, we do this in church, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our universities, and even in our parenting. There's some parents out there we're afraid to talk about what we've even been through with our own kids. I see this all the time, parents with teenagers especially, and you're pulling your hair out, trying to figure out how to see breakthrough in your teenager, yet your teenager doesn't even know half of the things you did when you were their age. And sometimes you say, oh, well, but if I say that I did this and I tried that, then that's gonna give him license to do it. No, it's actually not. It's gonna show humility and compassion. And so when your child is going through something, they're gonna be more confident to share and open up with you when they're going through something because they know that you won't shame them or embarrass them because you once were them. See, when I was 16, I used to distance myself from my stepdad. He's an amazing man of God. And I love him and I honor him because from the moment the minister said, you may now kiss the bride, that was the first moment my stepdad kissed my mom. Like he was an honorable man. His I do has stood until this day. But when you're hearing that as a 16-year-old boy addicted to pornography, running around struggling with females, doing a whole bunch of stuff, which I was doing, your life compared to the story of perfection of my stepdad didn't add up. He seemed so perfect, so holy, only held hands with my mom until the wedding day, and I'm over here lost in all these addictions and perversions. So I felt so ashamed that I didn't even want to speak to him, and in my own shame, I distanced myself from him. Turned out it was almost 10 years later, when I was already married with kids, that me and my dad were having a chat and hanging out. And I don't even know how we got on the topic, but that was the first time my dad ever shared with me what he was like at my age. And it turned out he was just as bad as I was. And I remember sitting there dumbfounded at that table like, Dad, where was this when I was 16? See, when you share your scars, when you share what God has brought you through and brought you out of, you lower a bridge of compassion that someone who's lost in darkness now will feel confident to take that first step and come on that bridge to get closer to where you are right now. 
See, that is the power of us sharing our scars. When I share what God has done in me, what he brought me from, it creates such an atmosphere that anyone else will be so encouraged to come on, which really leads me to the benefits of sharing your scars. Number one, it maintains humility. If I'm busy sharing my story, it's really hard to get prideful. There are some believers out there that we have the audacity to turn up our nose at someone who's lost when we were that person not that long ago. Sometimes the very things we see that anger us and other people are really angering us because it reminds us of who we once were. So if I can share my story constantly, it will keep me humble by reminding me of what Jesus did to save and transform my life. It refreshes passion. There is nothing more powerful to reawaken my love for God than sharing the story of how he chased me, how he pursued me. In our Connect series, just a couple uh, cycles ago, I shared that me and my wife, one time we're arguing on the way to someone's house, getting to know a new couple. And when we got there, you know, it's tea and coffee. And they're like, so how did you guys meet? And literally by the time I was done sharing the story of how me and my wife met, I wasn't even mad at her. Matter of fact, I loved her even more. See, if you are in a dry spot with your walk with God, Start to talk about what it was like when God first saved you. Reawaken those love stories of how he pursued you, how he found you, how he encountered you, how he brought you out of darkness into light. Sometimes your relationship is a little dull because you haven't reawakened those memories to stir up a fresh gratitude of what God has done for your life. And lastly, as I kind of touched on already, it creates an atmosphere of freedom. Guys, we will be the church that everyone feels welcome and loved in. But the way we become that church is not just by hellos and how you doing, it's by vulnerability, it's by humility, it's by honesty, it's by transparency, it's by us saying, hey, let me tell you what God did in my life. Come sit down on my couch, come hang out in my living room, come, let me show you my church. This place loved me when I was this, when I was going through that, when I was depressed, when I was broken, when I was addicted and God brought me through it. I was loved here, I experienced freedom here, I was counseled here, they saved our marriage here, they taught us how to be a parent here and guess what, I didn't even like people when I came here, but now I I love people. See, these are the kind of things people need to hear when they talk, when, 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 when we talk about God, when we share our journey, when we share our stories, it will create an atmosphere of freedom where everyone will feel welcome to encounter God. Imagine a hospital waiting room where all the patients are sitting there. The nurse and the doctor come out and call someone's name for their appointment. Imagine if everyone in the waiting room was too ashamed to get up and take their appointment. Imagine if terminally ill patients were embarrassed to walk into that room and get life-saving medicine simply because they did not want anyone else in the, in the waiting room to know that they're the sick ones. How sad would that be when you could be steps away from freedom and breakthrough, but be too afraid to acknowledge that you need God? Jesus himself said it to the Pharisees. I didn't come for those who know they're healed, but I came for those who know they are sick because he was the great physician. He is the great physician. And he has come for those to say, hey, I'm not okay. But for someone to admit they're not okay, those of us who are okay need to be open and say, hey, once I wasn't okay and it's okay 
for you to find God in this place. That's what we need in this house today. Just to encourage you on a couple areas and really, I guess, to bring this thing home today. Everything I've said is so biblical because Jesus himself modeled it in the word. See, the question that when God was kept saying, Blake, you're perfectly scarred, you're perfectly scarred, I'm like, okay, but why? What, what does it actually mean? And it turned out it's Jesus himself. See, look at John chapter 20, verse 24 and 27. And it says this, but Thomas, sometimes called the twin, one of the 12 was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples told him, we saw the master because this is after Jesus had resurrected. And for a 40 day period, Jesus was popping up and appearing to people in his new, perfect, glorified body. But Thomas said, unless I see the nail holes in his hands, put my finger in the nail holes and stick my hand in his side, I won't believe him. Thomas was a little bit morbid, but you know, it's all good. I just, you know, I guess he wanted to feel it. It's all good. I guess I'd be curious too. But here's the thing. Eight days later, and this is how good God is. His disciples were again in the room. And this time Thomas was with them. Jesus came through the locked doors, stood among them and said, peace to you. And then he focused his attention on Thomas. Take your finger. Examine my hands, take your hand and stick it in my side. Don't be unbelieving, believe. And look at this moment. Thomas said, my master, my God. The greatest example of being perfectly scarred was Jesus himself. But let this sink in for a moment. Jesus had already reappeared to multiple people Multiple disciples were sharing, we saw God, He's back. Jesus is alive again. And that wasn't good enough for Thomas. Thomas said, I don't care about you. Oh, God is good. He's alive. He's real. No, no, no. Show me some damage. Thomas's belief was attached to the scars. He needed to see the proof of healing that had left a mark resulting in the damaged area being even stronger than it was before. Ladies and gentlemen, there are Thomases in our world that need to see proof of scars, of healing, of breakthrough, of transformation, of what Jesus has done and healed in your life. And if your story is simply, I walked into this church lonely and in Kingdom City, I found a family, that's a powerful story. Believe it or not, that is the most commonly used story that I share today when I'm meeting people in the street. I tell people all the time, I believed in God before I came to Kingdom City. But it wasn't until Kingdom City that I learned how to believe in church and believe in a family. That's one of the favorite things that I love to share that always hits people. It's so whether you're a Christian and you've grown up in church all your life and you feel like you're not that interesting. And if that's all you've got, that is all God needs to use and work in you and through you. And if you're on the other equation where you've been through some shameful things, where you have been through hell and back and God brought you out of it, like myself, you've been through addictions, you've been through abuse, you've been through family pain, you've 
you've been through trauma, maybe you've come from all kinds of preferences and orientations and things in life. It doesn't matter if God has done a work in you and healed you and brought you through it. The world needs to know about it. You are perfectly scarred for the glory of God. And when we can get bold about this, guys, our world is going to get saved. There are Thomases that need to hear what you've got to say. And the cool thing about Thomas's story is that after this moment, Thomas brought the gospel to India and his ministry was known for its proof. He would go before people and say, I'll show you proof that my God is real. And he would demonstrate the power of God through his own life. And he brought revival all over India. So ladies and gentlemen, it's time to pray. Fear is going to break off of your life. If you feel this right now, whether you feel too ashamed of your scars and you've tried to Photoshop them and hide what God has done, or whether you feel like your scars aren't that cool and you don't really have anything to share with people, God is about to break fear off you on both sides of the equation and you're gonna be filled with the boldness and the courage. Matter of fact, we're gonna go into a time of worship. I want you to stand to your feet right now. If you feel God is speaking to you, if you feel the Holy Spirit is doing something right now, I wanna pray for you and I believe right now that the power of the Holy Spirit is gonna give you boldness, He's gonna give you wisdom, He's gonna give you strategy, He's gonna give you time timing and organic moments to share your journey and to show you how beautiful your scars are. Holy Spirit, right now, I pray for everyone listening, for everyone watching in this moment, that God, you have given them a story. You've given them a journey. We've all got scars. You've healed us. You've saved us. You've transformed us and you've brought us through so much. And I pray right now, you awaken a boldness and a passion and a hunger to share our story. To everyone whose hands are lifted, to everyone all around the world who's watching this right now, God, bless them and touch them. Let's worship together right now. And I know that God is about to move in your life. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus, we want you to know that He loves you very much. So much that He died on the cross for all of your sins that stood between you and God. If you would like to make a decision to follow Jesus today, all you need to do is to repeat this prayer. Dear God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I admit that I'm not right with you and I want to be right with you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me and making me your child. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or if God has done anything in your life because of this podcast, we would love to know. Email us at testimony at kingdomcity.com.